Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Praise God. Ain't God good? You know, we can sing these songs, and, you know, hopefully your information is helping you relate to God in a better way. I remember the time when I'd sing songs and they'd be worship songs and I would, it would just break my heart and I would cry and all because I was so guilty and so condemned and, and in a place of God, please forgive me. And then the word of God came alive in me. Truth opened up and no longer was it I was crying and worshiping because I was so guilty and condemned. I was now crying and worshiping because he's so awesome. He's such a loving father. He's so faithful. He's great. And now my worship's different than before. Now I experience. You can't experience under guilt and condemnation because you don't deserve it. You don't deserve anything. You don't deserve to have God move in your heart. You don't deserve to have merit. You don't deserve but you can cry and beg and, and oh, and it's so ridiculous what religion does to a time of holy worship when we should be going before him boldly into the throne room of God. Why? Because he opened the door. He did, not me. I didn't make him. He wanted to. It's so awesome to know this Father in the correct way. And I believe you will experience bigger, greater, and, and, and just understand in a time of praise and worship when your heart is, he loves me. He loves me, loves me, loves me. And I believe that I can continually prove it in God's word. And that's what we're doing is, is we're, 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 we're coming against a concept that the unchurched has, and that is that the church in the U.S. is judgmental and irrelevant. And again, when I heard that for the first time, it, it, it smacked me inside the head, not because of we're that way, but that's the vision that people have when they pass by a church. And I hate it because we're a church. <laughs> Love life church. I almost want to knock down the church part of it. But the thing is, is you're, we're being blamed for, you know, some ugly religious church down the road. We're being blamed for these religious, legalistic Christians that are blaming God for killing, stealing, and destroying. Everything the devil does, they're blaming God on, and then calling it, you know, you know it's just God working in your life. It's so ugly, and that's why it's so difficult for people to accept an invitation because they define church in that manner. We are the church and we should be bringing the right message so that people can come hang out with us church. We're the church out there. We had testimonies of guys, they were talking about how you know they're out doing their thing and the reference to this church, the reference to this family is what are they doing out there in their jobs? What are they doing out there in their lives? That's how people read this church. 
when you're talking to people and they're, they're telling you about things they're going through, they're talking about the, you know, whatever it is, and even if it's bad and ugly, we act like Jesus, not some ugly religious Christian that's ready to do this and to start telling you why you need to change and why, you, you know, your behavior is this way and why. And we, the, the legalistic Christian is so lost as far as being free. But when we get this truth and we start operating in it, I'm telling you, everything about love promotes maturity and growth. Everything about love makes me want to do better. That's what grace does. There ain't no such thing as sloppy grace. That's religious con jobs. There's no such thing as sloppy grace. There's just God's grace. And if you think it's so overwhelming, so overpowering, you're right. If you think God's grace is, it just, it, we just don't deserve it, you're right. When you think God's grace is, how, could, how can you think that you can live in sin? Because grace abounds. That's it, it bounds. Now we don't agree and we don't accept the concept of living a life of sin. We don't agree or accept the concept of, of doing whatever we want and having good benefits from it. We don't agree or accept that. But we agree and accept that God's grace is beyond and bigger and better than sin itself. Amen? And when you have that concept, I'm telling you, it's just like a family, it's like a home. When that family is understanding, filled with grace and love, those children have an atmosphere of what? Ability to have success and the ability to be changing quickly. But if it's filled with fear and payback and you're going to, you know, you're gonna get what's due you and, and when it's filled with all that, and it's filled with reminders of you're just that way and you're not gonna change. And last week you did this. I'm gonna show you a God that doesn't do that. But also I'm gonna show you the picture of Jesus that, sh that shows us how we are to be. Because that's what Jesus said. You wanna, he said, you wanna know my followers, my, my disciples, those that are becoming more like me, they're the ones that are going to love. That's how you're gonna know them. They're the ones that love. And that's what we have to understand. This is what we have to know and live and, 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 and become like. But we're talking about not my church, and, and I'm just so excited about the information because not only it defines who we are and what we should always strive to be, but it, it takes us from a place of, of be, being looked like that judgmental, irrelevant church to, to a church that's filled with relevancy, a church that's filled with grace and mercy, faith, truth, love, all the things that the Bible talks about. And so we started talking about principles to help change perception. Remember, Jesus went to that woman and she, she talked in a way that was divisive to Jesus. She threw up uh, race, she threw up politics, she threw up religion to him, and the way he touched her heart is by revealing. The moment he said, listen, you've got, you had five husbands and you're living with one right now. And what was her comment to her, him? It was, I perceive you're a prophet. I perceive that you're, you're a prophet. I perceive that you're, you're, you're the Messiah. And in that revelation, it didn't bring judgment. Can you imagine that, being called out? Can you imagine that? 
See, if, if, if God revealed my sin and I'd call you out, you'd be freaking out. But can you imagine Jesus? Jesus calls out and lists her sin. He even, you're living with the guy right now. He ain't your husband. Now, how, did she take it in a condemning, judgmental way? Did she? Because if she did, why'd she talk the way she talked? Wouldn't she have dropped her knees and say, forgive me, I'm a sinner? I mean, wouldn't that have been the action? But she doesn't even, listen to me. I'm trying to share the picture of Jesus. Who are, who are we supposed to become like? I mean, if this is all about the body of Christ, is this, if this is all about fulfilling and following his mission, his work, are we not to be more like Jesus, yes or no? Then the only way we can be is to look at him. How do I know he wasn't judgmental? How do I know? Because I see it over and over and over. And you understand me by my words, my language, and the emphasis of how I'm communicating. And you'll get it by that. So if I say, hey, um, don't cross the street without looking both ways. Don't cross the street without looking both ways. There's ways we communicate where you receive it, right? Well, he's communicating in what way? You had five marriages and you're living with a guy. Do you think he talked in a way that was condemning? No way, I'm telling you he didn't. Would he have been right to? Of course he would have. Would he have been right to call out her sin and to condemn her right there? According to the law, according to what we read in the Bible, according to right now, New Testament, would we be right to go, that's wrong, that's wrong? I've had people come up to me over the years and say, how come you don't talk about people living together? How come you don't talk about, and they just start listing all the things that they qualify as bad sins. In my head, I was going, I should talk about the gossiping I know you do. That's what I should talk about. But see, this is what these type of people do. They're wanting a condemning word. I can't even use the word gospel because that's not good news. So I can't say condemning gospel. It's a sad, sad state of the church when they get excited about preaching sin. When God doesn't even preach it. Sad picture, sad picture. But principles help change our perception. How do we help people see us differently? First thing, religion to relationship. Religion to relationship. We talked about these things. We need to under, have, there, there's a, a, a beautiful understanding between religion and relationship that I wrote down. Religion is people attempting to get to God. Relationship is Jesus attempting to get to people. Religion is all about rules, do's and don'ts for a relationship. Relationship's all about God's love and grace, acceptance. Religion's about people doing works and hoping for acceptance. Relationship's about Jesus did all the work asking people, will you accept? I'm telling you, those are the pictures of religion and relationship. Religion's all about changing behavior. Relationships all about life transformation, which will start the change. 
Religion goes, change that act, change that talk, change that wear, change that dress, stop this, stop that. Stop, don't, change, stop, don't, stop. That's religion. When you understand life in general, it's the growth and maturity of information that helps you change. It's the only thing that produces change. I can, I can look you straight in the face and say, don't do drugs, don't do sex without marriage, don't do, don't, 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 don't. That ain't gonna make you not. All you know is don't. But ain't gonna help you. See, why? Because all you're hearing is don't, no. We don't operate in life that way at all. At all. We don't operate. It's not a principle of life in that manner. What's necessary? The information of why you say no. That's the only way you'll do it. That's the only way where you'll do it and be able to have the consequences of not doing whatever. Because you know and understand why you say no. That's the only way it's gonna happen. So if I preach, don't be living with someone, don't be drinking, don't do drugs, don't sex other matters, don't, 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 don't. Okay, let's pray in Jesus' name, we're dismissed. Okay, you know all the don'ts, but that doesn't give you the ability to live with understanding, with the power of being able to go, I say don't because. Not because it's wrong, it's beyond that. It's because I see myself valuable. I see myself, and you start recognizing that this will just hurt me. This won't benefit me, this will hurt me. This won't benefit me, this will hurt me. And you have the understanding. So it's almost like you don't even have to say no. It's an automatic, amen? So the second thing is, as we, we looked at this last week, a judgmental life to grace life. A judgmental life to grace life. We gotta, we gotta quit correcting and start connecting, amen? Quit correcting and start connecting. And we looked at, don't judge others and you will not be judged, in Matthew 7, 1. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you'll be judged. And I showed you about the speck and the log in the eye, right? You know, you got a big old two by four hanging out of your eye. You can't fix or help someone with a speck. And in the Greek language, a speck is something that's almost undistinguishable. It's so small. You're sitting there trying to judge a little small thing and got a big old log in your head. Is that ridiculous? But that's how religion is. That's exactly how religion is. Let's continue on. In um, 2 Peter Chapter three, verse 17, there's a warning to believers. He, Paul says, I mean, Peter says, be careful religious people. They'll drive you to works. They're gonna drive you back to legalism. He says, I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so you, that, so you will not be carried away by heirs of these wicked religious people and lose your own secure footing. Legalism, religious concepts, you'll lose secure footing. Why? He says this. Rather, you must grow in grace. Don't, don't be growing in legalism. Don't grow in judgmentalism. Grow in grace. 
and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you would grow through what? Seeing Jesus. Understanding Jesus. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge. As you what? Grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. You want to you learn the grace walk? Learn Jesus. That's it. Learn Jesus, all right? Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure that God who began a good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task with you, within you is finally finished on the day Jesus Christ returns. So it's constant. God's gonna keep working with you. Amen? Listen, my faith isn't about I have to. My faith's about I get to. You understand that? I get to. It's not that I have to. I get to. When I started this, in, in this Christian walk, when I started this, this life, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world to be able to help at church. See, I wasn't taught that that was, you don't do that stuff. I wasn't taught that let someone else do it. My attitude was, is from my world that I lived in. And my understanding of the world I lived in is that when you have a team and that team's working together, you can accomplish anything. That's, that was my, I've been doing this since I was four years old. I was involved with every single team sport except hockey. I mean, you know, who, who would ever known we'd have you know, hockey here and everybody like it? But the thing is, is my whole life has been connected in an understanding of team, teamwork, team sports. And so getting into the faith, this is already in me. And so I'm not questioning, I'm not thinking about how to find ways to get out of going. I was thinking of ways, how do I get more involved? How do I do more? How do I connect more? I swear to you right now, if that pastor would have said, okay, you meet on Sundays, Sunday nights, Wednesdays, you know what, we're gonna start a Thursday night. I would have said, that's awesome. Thursday nights, I'm going to church now. I'm not kidding you. I, it, there wasn't, the, I wasn't religionized. I didn't know you were supposed to go, well, I'm just going on Sundays. I didn't know you were supposed to be that way. Listen, you think that's crazy? Over the years, I started seeing it, started hearing it and started recognizing that the mature Christians didn't do a lot. It was those crazy newbies. It was those crazy ones that are on fire for Jesus, and they would always say, they would always do this. This is what they always said. This is how they would say, you know what? It's, it, it, it'll wear off. It'll wear off. They'll, they'll become like us, like you've been sucking on lemons for your whole life. Now I'm telling you, that's what I would hear. I would hear people make that comment you know, they're excited about Jesus, but hold on, just hold on. There'll be, it'll all come down to a normal way. That is, I can't use those words. That's just number two. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it's the filthiest thing in the world. Because I'm gonna, listen, I'm sick of religious con jobs or the, 
the manipulation of this concept of religious ideologies. If you start looking at life, well, I know, Tony, how long have you liked the Dallas Cowboys? No, tell me how long. No, I mean, how, how long have you liked them? 15 years? Okay, and, that, and you still like them, right? But you just, it's normal now. We, because, the, you know, you're just a Cowboy fan now. Because you've been doing it for 15 years. I bet he's got more, more shirts, more hats, more everything, more involvement in. Why? Because that's how life is. You don't go, well, you know, I've been a fan for three years. It's time to tone it down now. I'm going to have to pull off my bumper stickers. I'm going to, you can't wear the hat no more because, you know, I've been, I've been a fan for a long time. Are you kidding me? The longer you go, you start writing in the, you know, he'll probably start writing in the cowboys in his will. I know, it's so ridiculous to even say cowboys that way, right? But isn't that true? Isn't that true, yes or no? See, the, the whole, let me just help you on the, on, the, on the football teams and all that. Why are the Cardinals God's team? Because when you bleed, it's red. <laughs> all right, anyway, moving right along. So, so what I need you to understand is, is when we're talking about life, y'all know when you love something, you just, you just build, build, build. The, so when are marriages, when are people having troubles? When things start settling, you know, she starts settling down, you know, oh, we've been married so long, and, and isn't that true? Listen, that's all I'm saying is, is let's look at life correctly. If you, want to get, if you want to start chilling in your walk, then that's you. But don't sit there and say, that's how we're all supposed to be. We're not. I'm telling you right now, religious, chilled people like that love to pull other people into their life, into their way. They want you to calm down. You know why? Because it affects them. They know that they're wrong. They know it. So the best thing to do is to stay fired up all the time. I'm not talking about wackoness. I'm not talking about super silly, you know, super spiritual. I'm talking about living a life, loving God. Just, just loving Jesus and living this life. And I don't know how you can calm down. Because if you're doing it correctly, I don't care how long you've been doing it, you continue to grow in knowledge. You continue to grow in grace. That's what I just read, people. That's what the scripture says. Oh my goodness. So we've got to understand, we, gotta, we, we can't walk judge, we gotta walk in the love lot. We gotta be number three, we gotta be taker to giver. We gotta be taker to giver. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Taker, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly, giver. God is always a giver, he's not a taker. He's not a cancer-causing, car-wrecking God. Are you hearing me? That's not my God. That's not my Bible. That's not my Jesus. Amen? That's not my God. Proverbs 18.1 says this. A selfish person quarrels. Someone that is a taker, someone that is so all consumed about just them, will quarrel against every sound principle of conduct by demanding their own way. Selfish people are selfish people. And all they're gonna focus in is on their stuff. 
It's not our DNA to be that way. That's why you're gonna be miserable. Our DNA is to be givers, amen? You guys hearing this? Philippians 2, verse three and four. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, teachable. Think of others better than yourself. Don't just think about your own stuff, your own affairs, your own needs, your own what, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. When you're a giver concept, you care about people. When you're a taker concept, all you are is wanting something. You're manipulating, you're doing something to get something. We have to have a giver concept. We have to. I, I years ago, made a decision to be a giver, and it, be, it was because of an associate pastor that influenced my life in Oklahoma, and the, the first church I was, um, when I moved to Oklahoma, I connected with them. They then merged with another church, and, but the point is, is this guy was, he was a, he was a leading fullback for Tulsa, um, the University of Tulsa. This guy was a, a beast. I mean, he was a tough guy, but he went into the ministry. He, he just decided not to go forward into a pro career and decided to go full-blown ministry. It's amazing. He has an amazing, and amazing story. But just being around him and, and how he lived his life it was, it was an amazing thing because that's what got me really into, you know, going to ACDC concerts and, and sharing, you know, with people, you know, they're about, they're about to go in and go, ah, you know, devil and all that. And we'd go there and we'd talk with people and lead people to the Lord constantly. It was an amazing thing. But he was a giver. He just wanted people's lives to receive this good God that we were serving. And I made a decision at that point that I never want to be, I, wanted, I don't want to be seen as a taker. And so from that moment, I made a decision to always be one that would pay for things, always, even if I wasn't the one with the most money. But I made a decision, I'm not going to be seen as a taker. I don't care, I'm not going to. So I, I would, I'll, I'll pay the bill, I'll, I'll fill the gas up, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever to be known and, and for people to say, you know what, he ain't a taker. He'll give, he'll give, he'll give. I know that he'll beat me to the check. I, that's what I would be known as. Most Christians, man, you, they don't even glance down at their check. They ain't looking, they ain't, you know they ain't reaching for their what, the purse, nothing. Why? Because the mindset of Christianity, listen, I, it's, I don't want our church to be that way. I don't want you guys to be that way. It's a poverty mentality. I want you to be a giver. And this, remember Jesus was sitting on the side and watching the temple as people were bringing their gifts. And I, I mean, there were guys dropping down, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And this widow came up, this old widow woman, brings her penny, sets it down, it's all she had. And Jesus looked at her and go, there it is. That's it right there. That's it. She gave everything. The other people, they gave what they had left over. They had money. They had all this, and this is excess, and here, God, look at me. This lady gave it all, and he said, that is the key right there. That's the key. Not that he wanted her not to have anything, but that her heart attitude was that honorable before God. And I want that. I want to be that. I want to be, I want to be known as givers. Because you're sowing. You're sowing into good things, and that's what we do we, we keep things at a minimal. Listen, most churches, they're, 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 they're making money. 
You know, we we do things at a minimal. And and we'll continue to do that. I'm not trying to make money off y'all. Just, just you know, we want to have specific ways to be blessed and giving to children's things or whatever. That's always good. You know, it's always a good thing. But again, I, I just believe that. I want to be recognized as, hey man, they'll take care of you. They're, they're gonna take care of you, all right? So we're not takers, we're givers. And you can't be selfish, a taker in life, and live a life of, of success. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna live a significant life, that's for sure, all right? We gotta be givers. John 13, 34, new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How are we known by being disciples? How many scriptures we got memorized? Huh? How are we known? By our love. Our love for one another. That is the key, right? Y'all got that? Amen? That means including in your houses, your homes, your families, loving one another, right? Thank you, Jesus. Number four, we're reconcilers, not revilers. Reconcilers, not revilers. And a reviler is somebody speaking abusive about God. Man, I, I, so many, you know, so many Christians out there have the spiritual look, but man, they'll tag God for things that the devil does. You know that's blasphemy, by the way? That is the definition of blasphemy. We think it's, you know, a cuss word, you know, saying that God damns certain things. That's not blasphemy. Blasphemy is when you say God is doing the work of Satan. You're not saying the work of Satan. You're saying God killed that person. God gave that person that sickness. God, when you're doing that, Devil still kills and destroys, that's blasphemy. Just so you understand that. Don't carry that religious concept that's just tied to a cuss word. That's ridiculous, all right? First of all, God doesn't damn anything. He's a blesser. And by the way, he said, you choose this day. You choose this day. Blessing or cursing, all right? Blessing or cursing. It's not him doing it, it's choices. So we have a good God. He doesn't kill, steal, and destroy. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please God. That is trusting God. That's what pleases God when you trust him. Without faith it is impossible to please God for he who comes, that's continual tense, it's not a one-time shot, but he who comes and continues to come to God must believe that he is, uh-oh, he's what? He what? He is? Say it, say it, he is what? No, say he is. Say it. Does it say he was? Does it say he will be? No, he is. That, you have to pay attention to the words. That God is, you must believe that he what? He is. Not he was. Why is that important? Because he was is what everybody's looking at. They see this Old Testament God. They see these wrong pictures of God, and that's how they look at him. No, you gotta look at he is what? He is, right now, today, a rewarder. Not he's going to be when we get to heaven. Right now, he is. You must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. He's a rewarder to who? 
those that prioritize him, that are seeking him, those that are moving forward toward him. When you are diligent about something, you're prioritizing something. He's saying, those that prioritize me and are moving forward toward me, I'm a rewarder. Why are you rewarding? Because I'm doing so many good works. Because, no, why? Because you trust him. You believe his word, you believe his promises, and you continually move forward to him. Not backward from him, you move forward to him. You have to know the God we serve. You have to know the God in the Bible. I mean, look at the picture of Jesus. Jesus, who is the picture of Almighty God. Father God represented in the life of Jesus Christ. And what do we see? What do we see in his life? We see a Peter denying him straight up before everybody. Which people would sit there and go, that's the impartable sin. Well, they'll say that to you, but not Peter, because he's in the Bible. But they'll say it to people right now. Peter walked with Jesus hand in hand. And what'd he do? Deny him. And what's the next picture we see of Jesus and Peter standing toe to toe, right there in front of each other? Jesus straightened him out by how dare he? Jesus condemning him. Jesus saying, I can't use you, you denied me. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. What was Jesus' words? Peter, teach, train. I mean, crazy stuff. The denier is looked at as a leader. Oh, pastor, because he repented and he turned from his wicked ways and was living for, no, he wasn't. He gave up everything, went back fishing. Oh, I'd love to, to, to be able to prop up your religious view, but it isn't there. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to a mountaintop. Peter, James, and John. Peter takes them to a mountaintop. Moses and Elijah show up. This is probably one of the most impacting spiritual atmospheres that any person could be involved with. Moses and Elijah appear and are talking with Jesus. Who's with him? Peter. Peter, James, and John. Who? Peter, James, and John. Why is this significant? The chapter before that is when Jesus was rebuking the devil out of his life. The chapter before that is when Peter was being told, you're an offense. What you're saying and what you're doing is wrong. Huh, isn't that interesting? How dare God use someone after he was just being used of the devil. How dare he? You need to know my Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of your head, not the God of your head, not the God of your past, not the God of your experiences, not the God of your religion. You need to know the Jesus of my Bible and pay attention to the words in here. You don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. No. Satan, get behind me. 
you're an offense to me. Straight out to Peter. Verse 17, and. Huh? What does that mean? We're still in the same life. We're in the same time zone. We're in the same everything. You don't start, you don't start sentences or, or communication and. I don't come in the room and I go to you and. And you're like going, and. I mean, what else were you talking about? Right? And what do we see? We see and. Jesus gets Peter, James, and John. And what does Peter do when he's up there seeing this magnificent spiritual thing? He opens his mouth as Peter does. Peter, Peter, you are so good at this. Thank you, Peter. Why? Because it just, we're just this big mouth and stick our foot in our mouth just as much. Except we're not written in the Bible. Thank you, Jesus. And what happens? What happens in this picture? Peter goes, Jesus, we should just make some tents here and live up here in the smash hall. <laughs> Let's just make a tabernacle. We'll just make three tents and we're not going anywhere. You know who shows up? God. This is my beloved son. Pay attention to him. In, in, in other words, in our language, Peter, shut up. Just listen to him. But he didn't do that. He didn't just straight out rip into Peter. He says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. Can you imagine that? I'm telling you, when you start really looking at the scripture and we start really paying attention, all of a sudden this stuff becomes so different. Life becomes different. This walk becomes different. Everything becomes different. So much greater. Yeah, you got issues. Yeah, you got problems. Yeah, you got different things that you deal with. You've got, you know, image issues. You've got, you know, you've got relationship issues. We've got work issues. We've got home issues. Everybody has issues. But the key to the success in overcoming is not allowing the issues to cloudy the truth. And that's what we usually do. We allow our issues to become greater than God's word. And that's why you'll quit. And I'm telling you, don't quit and don't give up. You can be hurt out there. It's a fact. You can get your emotions, you know, rang through, you know, oppressor. I mean, a lot of things can happen out there that can hurt your feelings or strike a nerve. But the truth of the matter is, God's word is the truth. And if we continue to press in and continue to move forward to it, our lives will never be the same. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you. Thank you.